Welcome to Chat NDT with ASNT, a podcast from the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing. I'm Debbie Siegler, the host of the podcast. Michael McGloin started in NDT at the age of 17, immediately after high school, and has worked in various areas of the industry, ranging from fieldwork in refineries and power plants, to the Boeing Company in Huntington Beach, California, where he worked on projects such as the International Space Station and the Space Shuttle. At the age of 23, McGloin had acquired corporate level threes in PT and RT, and prior to his 10th anniversary in the industry, achieved his first ASNT NDT level threes. At this point, 30 years after starting in NDT, Michael holds seven ASNT NDT level threes in PT, RT, MT, VT, UT, ET, and LT. Three ACCP level threes in PT, RT, and MT and is CWI from AWS. Michael has been a member of ASNT since 1991. He is currently the Regional Director of Region 15, Chair of the Penetrating Radiation Committee, and has served on several other national committees, including the Executive Director Search Committee, for which he served as Chair. Michael has served through the officer positions on the ASNT Board of Directors, for the Greater Los Angeles section, as well as the ASNT National Board of Directors as Director at Large, Secretary Treasurer, President, and currently Chairperson of the Board. In 2000, Michael started his consulting business, NDT Enterprises, LLC. He has been teaching for 24 years and has managed Hellier in Anaheim, California for the last 16 years. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining me at Chat NDT with ASNT. Thank you, Debbie. I'm glad to be here. So I'm going to start off and say you hold a lot of NDT level threes. You hold seven ASNT NDT level threes in MT, PT, RT, ET, LT, VT, and UT. Have I missed anything? No, that's all of them. And then three ACCP level threes in PT, RT, and MT, right? Correct. How did you prepare to take your certification exams for all of those exams? It was uh, many, many long nights and weekends with my nose in a book studying constantly. A lot of time studying for different exams. I've taken prep courses for almost all of my exams. I'm also a CWI from AWS. A lot of reading books and going through uh, published test questions or published uh, practice questions, I guess. Over how many years like, did you get the, the NDT level threes? I took them over, everything I took over a period of six years. That would be insane to think about trying to take all those at the same time. Do you have any plans to take any more? No. For my plan the first year was actually just to take three, MT, PT, and RT. And as I went through that process, I was able to get some other uh, proof of experience. So I qualified for other examinations. 
And the most I've ever studied for it once was two, two different exams. Every time I studied and took one, I was able to get evidence of uh, another method that I qualified for. So I'd study and take that one and just kind of went on. And fortunately, after getting those seven ASNT level threes, I don't qualify for anything else as it stands. Well, I think uh, you're very qualified. Thank you. How far in advance should someone prepare for an exam? Personally, when it comes to the level three exams, I've spent at least two months uh, for each exam studying. And as I said earlier, I literally lock myself in a room. And if I'm awake, I'm, I study. I've known a lot of people that don't spend as much time studying. I've met some people that spend more time, but every individual is a little different. And for me personally, that's what I've figured I need. How do you prepare to take a method exam? And what resources are available to help someone prepare for an exam? Personally, I've always recommended to study for an ASNT level three exam is to take a prep course. It is listed on ASNT's website, study material that somebody can buy. And if they're going to self-study, which I actually did do that for one of my examinations, my leak testing exam. And it's extremely difficult because there's a lot of information. Uh, typically, it's at least the method handbook, the questions and answers book for the method, as well as the study guide. In some cases, it could be two or three other publications. And to read through it all, it's really hard to know what information somebody needs to retain out of that in order to prepare for these. And it's easy to miss some little fine details that might be helpful for the exam. So I always do recommend to take a prep course because again, there's just, there's a lot of information publications that is really not necessary for the purpose of an examination. It could be helpful to know, but it's, it's almost like going into an examination blind without knowing at all what to pay attention to and what to not pay attention to. And when you refer to the prep course, you're talking about the, a refresher course. Yes. Yeah, prep, yeah, refresher course, or I usually refer to it as a prep course, but yeah, it's a preparatory or refresher course. Can someone take the exam without knowing math? It really depends on the examination itself. Um, I don't know exactly how the examinations are graded as far as what person what percentage somebody has to get because none of that information is published. And depending on the examination itself, if there's a handful of math questions, somebody would be able to pass just fine without knowing any of the math. But when I took my radiography examination, as an example, I, I've always said that I think there was about 35 math questions. And if there's an examination that has that much math, you're going to have to know at least some of it in order to likely get a passing grade. Besides reading the exam material, what are some study tips that you can share for different styles of learners? Uh, everybody has their own way of studying. And I've, I've been teaching classes for over 25 years, and I've seen some people really work well with flashcards. Uh, personally, I've tried flashcards, and all it does is frustrate me. So I, I, I've, I've have, I have some type of a mental block to flashcards for some reason, but I've seen a lot of people are very successful with it. 
my wife was studying for something years ago and she did the flashcards and it really helped her. Uh, for me personally, a lot of it is just reading something. If I've got to read it two or three times, then I've got to read it two or three times. So it just means that I got to study a little bit more. So do you find that for yourself, just reading allows you to absorb the material? There's no other, do you take notes? If I'm self-studying, you know, I don't really recall taking a lot of notes. In taking courses, yeah, I've, I definitely take a lot of notes, uh, highlight a lot of stuff in books. I remember the first time when I was studying for radiography, that was one thing my instructor said. He gave us a book and said, highlight anything you think would be a good question or anything you don't know. I still have the book today, and I would say it's probably about 80% highlighted. What should a test taker expect on the actual day of the exam? And do you have any test-taking tips? In one of the courses that I teach, one of the conditions that we talk about that happens in materials is something called a stress riser. And... It's an area in a part where stress concentrates, which could lead to a, a potential failure in service. But when I explain a stress riser, I joke with people and saying that that's what happens right before you take an ASAT exam. Your stress rises. There's a lot of nerves. Um, I remember my, the first examination I had taken was the penetrant level three. And I had heard so many horror stories about that examination. And at the time, it, everything was taken on pencil and it was essentially a scantron just like we did in high school and just a little bubble that you fill in and I sat down to take the test and I was so nervous I was shaking so bad I was thinking to myself there's no way I could bubble anything in because it's just going to be a bunch of scribbles all over the place there's a book that was published years ago by a guy named Robert Anderson who served on the certification management council and he published a book of test-taking tips, which I often go over with students. And I, I personally have found it to be extremely helpful. Because of the nervousness a lot of that everybody has, a lot of people have, he recommends to get some rest the night before. And during the test, there, there's some standard test-taking tips that have been helpful with these exams. Uh, process of elimination. If I'm looking at the answers and I want, I know for certain that one or two of them are wrong, then that just helps, helps your chances. With the level three exams, a big thing is to always identify keywords. There are always keywords and questions such as a, uh, in magnetism, a circular magnetic field, as opposed to a longitudinal magnetic field. One little tiny word can completely change the question and the answer. On the, when it comes to the math, one of the biggest things to watch out for is mixed units. I remember my ultrasonic exam was full of things like that. You can't do a calculation of metric, but half the answers were metric, half were imperial. And I see it in courses that I teach where somebody gets the right numbers, but they don't catch the unit is different feet instead of inches, for example. One of the other, one of the other tips is... Uh, this one's too easy. It must be a trick. I've seen this on a lot of level three exams that I've taken where you're going through the questions and you're in some really deep thought on answering these questions. Then you get to the next question and it's a very basic question. It's something that 
we would have learned the first day in the method. And the immediate thought is, oh, that's the answer. But then the next thought is, wait a minute, this is a level three exam. It can't be that hard of a question. It's got to be a trick question. So then we start talking ourselves out of it. The tip in the book is just answer it and move on. Don't get stuck on it. And then one of the tips I've always had is uh, don't change your answer unless you can prove to yourself that you marked it wrong as your first instinct is usually correct. It happens quite a bit. We read a question, we read the answers, something in the back of the brain says it's that one. We mark it. Our next thought is, wait a minute, is that really it? If we have to talk ourselves out of it, chances are it's already correct because there's something in the subconscious we're not fully aware of. You know, maybe we heard about it, but we're just not fully thinking about it. And I see in courses that I teach when people change an answer on a final exam, at least 70% of the time, they'll change it from a correct answer to a wrong answer. And I've had people fail classes because of it. If we look at it and realize, oh, darn, I marked the wrong spot, or I read something somewhere else that helps answer the question, then by all means, I recommend change it. But if if somebody has to talk themselves out of it, eh, I don't really know if that's right or not. My recommendation is just leave it alone. It's already correct, statistically. So how do you overcome nervousness on the day of the exam? I know we touched on this briefly, but I think sometimes we can get very overwhelmed. You've put in the time to study, and and now it's the day of the test. Yeah, it's funny. I remember just uh, about a week ago or so, one of the things I was telling somebody is, we hear that thing of breathe, take a deep breath, you know, close your eyes, sit back, take a very deep breath, hold it, let it out slowly. It sounds really odd to a lot of people, but honestly, it, for me, it actually has helped. I don't remember which exam it was. It was one of my first ones. I was very nervous, obviously, as a lot of people are. And I just got to a point and I, that's what I did. I just sat back, took a giant deep breath, let it out slowly. And it's actually amazing how much it helps. That's a very good tip. I do that sometimes, <laughs> many times during the day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's helpful with anything. You're, you're at the grocery store. Somebody does something that frustrates you and it just take a, take a breath. It, it's amazing how much it actually does help calm somebody down. I was doing that before we started this uh, recording with the, uh, my neighbor mowing their lawn so late at night. There you go. Another excellent example of when to do something like that. Right. So what do you say to someone who doesn't pass the exam for the first time? What's your advice? Obviously, it's very frustrating. I, I often tell people that we are our hardest critics we are often hardest on ourselves and it's frustrating. We want to get through it the first time. I want to see people get through it the first time, but I do people, I do tell people it's not the end of the world. It, it's disappointing. Yeah. But on the plus side, for somebody that's never taken one of these exams, all we know is what people have told us. And I often tell people, if we ask somebody what the examination was like, they're telling us their personal experience with it, which might not be the same experience that we will have. For example, in ultrasound, most people say it's it's all weld inspection. But if you ask what they do for a living, all they do is aerospace type work, which is completely different. 
people often have the remember what they had the hardest time with. So a lot of people go into these not really knowing what the test is going to be like. But when they take it, if they don't pass, they've seen it now. And their experience might be similar to what they've heard or it could be totally different, but at least they've seen it. And the advantage now is you find out leaving the facility what the result is. I've taken all of my exams on paper, oddly enough, with the exact same pencil, and which I actually have framed on my wall because somebody told me to frame it. Is that your good luck pencil? It's my good luck pencil, yes. Luckily, <laughs> you're dear. not taking any more exams. Otherwise, you'd have to break that off the wall. Yeah, that's true. That's what everybody tells me. My dad made a great frame for it. So I, I get to see it anytime I'm, I'm in my office. But the, again, the advantage is they, they know walking out if they pass. I've had to wait up to two months on at least a couple exams if I passed or not. And that's frustrating because you don't know if you should be studying more if you don't have to study. So at least now you walk out knowing what the result is. And I tell people, if you don't pass, write down as much as you can remember. Don't put the books down. Keep studying. As you go back over stuff, what I do is highlight it in a different color stuff that I remembered from the exam, because there's a chance there'll be another question on the same topic. Might not be the same question, but there's a good chance, especially if it's a very common topic, then there'll probably be another question on the same topic. So it's helpful to reiterate, okay, me, and sometimes we see that, oh, darn, I got, I see how I missed that question or, okay, good. I got that one right. But that is what I, what I do recommend. Just write down as much as you can, you know, try not to be hard on yourself. And take it as soon as you are able to as well, because it's it's real easy for life to get in the way, people to put the books down, family, work, social life, and just start forgetting. And you put the books down for too long, it's really hard to pick them back up. Is there a difference in the preparation for an exam for a level two? With level two, uh, the biggest thing, ASNT, as I'm sure a lot of listeners know, ASNT publishes questions and answers books, which are rec recommended questions and answers for the levels one, two, or three examinations. As a level three, it's very easy for me to write a test question. The problem that I have is I've been in this field coming up on 31 years. And if I'm writing a level two exam for the first time that somebody's going to take it, which for me could have been 30 years ago, trying to remember what my knowledge base was that long ago when I can't even hardly remember what I did three days ago. So these books are published to give us level three's guidance as to how difficult to write a question, what kind of a topic it should be, how it should be written. So a lot of company level threes will take these books and more or less use them as a question bank, but the, the wording has to be different. It can't be the written word for word. So most level threes will take them and change up the wording a little bit to a lot. But I tell people, no matter what level, when you review questions, you have to know why the correct answer is correct. But what's also helpful is to know why the wrong answers are wrong. Because if I understand why this answer is wrong to this question, there could be a question somewhere else that that answer answers. But for level two, I mainly say, level one or two, I mainly say focusing on the questions and answers books that are published are probably the most helpful. Okay. So um, is there anything else that you think that 
we haven't covered or that would be helpful for uh, someone preparing for the their exam? For the level three exam, one of the things, uh, it is a timed test. There are four examinations, mag, penetrant, flux leakage, and visual. Uh, each one of those is 90 questions, and the examinee is allotted two hours. All the other examinations, basic, radiography, ultrasound, those are all 135 questions, and the people are allotted four hours. One thing that does happen a lot with the bigger methods, radiography, ultrasound, electromagnetic testing, I have seen people, as with myself, run out of time or use every bit of time. And some tips I got from a friend of mine are tips on how to budget time with these exams. And I, I found it extremely helpful. The first time going through the test, my friend recommends to answer only the general questions that the person knows. If I read the question, I read the answers, the answer pops in my head, answer it, and move on. Personally, if I'm halfway through a question and I don't understand it, I just skip it. With most of the method exams, there's a procedure portion. And these days, the questions are completely spread out. Years ago on paper, they were all grouped together. So it was easy to work on all the procedure questions by itself. And what I do recommend to people is to make a list going through the test of which questions are just asked on the procedure portion. My friend recommends work on the procedure questions by itself, not more than 30 minutes total, and then work on the math questions by itself. What works well for a lot of people is to get your brain in one train of thought. Think only theory and work on theory. Think only math and work on math. With the questions, they're completely mixed up. The first question could be theory, the next one could be math, the next five could be theory, then two math. It's all completely mixed up. But to work on all the math questions together, and I recommend the same thing, going through it, make a list of which questions are math questions, and then I can click directly on those math questions. And I've I've personally have found these tips to be very helpful, and I've, I've known a lot of people that have ran out of time. Well, Michael, I think that uh, we've got what we need. I really appreciate your time and uh, for speaking with me about helping ASCT members and non-members alike who are preparing to take uh, their level three exam. It's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to Chat NDT with ASNT. For more information about our organization, please visit our website at asnt.org. You can also connect with us on social media at ASNT Info on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Chat NDT with ASNT is copyrighted by the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing, ASNT creating a safer world.